If you guys brought your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open them to the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. It's the first gospel you'll find in your Bible. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, as we continue in our new series that we sort of launched last week, talked about our theme for the year, Living in the Light. Um, this series is entitled Living in the Light of God's Invitations. And we're going to be focusing on the words of Jesus that come to us as a wonderful invitation from the living God. And so often we, we tend to think of God as being at a distance and, and Him trying to make it hard for us to come to Him. But that is not the way that Jesus presents himself or his Father. And we don't want our thinking to be shaped more by our worldview or our religion or by our own experiences or fears. We want to hear what God has to say to us. So I want to invite you to read along with me to give us some context. I'm going to begin reading in verse 25. So I'll back it up just a little bit. And I'll be reading verses 25 through 30, but we'll be focusing on verses 28 to 30 today. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed to them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And these are the words of the living God, Jesus Christ, our Savior. May He add His blessing to its reading and its proclamation. Now, today, as I mentioned, we are going to be focusing on the first of these amazing invitations of Jesus that we'll be looking at for the next six or seven weeks or so. Come to me, all who, are, who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, or as it says in some of the more classical English translations, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Now, in this new year, there's a question that, that you're being given. Who are you going to go to with the burdens of life? Who are you going to go to when things get hard this year, right? Now, it's easy for us as, as people who attend church maybe regularly to think, well, of course I'll go to God. But the truth is that many of us regularly try to manage our own lives. When a problem happens, we sort of just try to fix it ourselves. And so we focus not on going to God first, but only after we've tried to fix things and things aren't working out the way that we want, do we end up going to God. Um, and that's just a, a common experience. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that we don't take seriously the invitation that Jesus gives us to come to Him in all of life in such a way that He gets the glory. So today we're going to reflect on, it says reflect, it should say reflect, we're going to reflect on God's invitation to us, God's, our, our qualification to, to come to Him, and then we're going to talk about God's orientation, His heart towards us and what that looks like. And then we'll talk about how there is a condition for our coming to Him. And then we're going to take a look at what I've called benefaction or blessing. What happens when God blesses those who come to Him. So that'll be our, our, our study today. God's invitation, God's our qualification, God's orientation, God's condition, and God's benefaction. 
Um, let's talk about the idea that there's an invitation from God. I hope that as we finish this series, that all of you will be marveling at the countless ways that God is inviting us into relationship with Him. Jesus says very clearly, come to me. There's a, a clear invitation to not just come to God the Father or, or just come to God as a generic idea, but come to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Over and over again in the short little verses that are found in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says, it's, it's my rest that you need, right? It's come to me that I want you to come. And this is not a new invitation of God. In fact, this is the ancient invitation of God. Many of you may never have thought about the fact that God's been inviting people into His presence, though He is a holy God. He's been inviting unholy humans into His presence for a very long time. Hundreds of years before Jesus came along, the prophet Isaiah prophesied this in Isaiah 55, verses 3 and 6 and 7. God is speaking through Isaiah and he says, incline your ear and what? Come to me. God the Father is inviting the people of God to come to him. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. He's saying, come to me and I want to enter into the kind of relationship that a husband has with a wife and a wife with a husband. I want to enter into a covenantal, intimate relationship with you. And he talks about his steadfast, sure love for David. If you skip down to verses 6 and 7, uh, you find that Isaiah picking up that theme says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. See, Isaiah understood something that we need to grapple with. The reason that many of us don't come to God is our recognition that God is holy and we are not. And we assume rightly, as Isaiah will say elsewhere, that our sins separate us from God. They create a barrier between us and God. God is too holy, the Bible says, to even look upon sin. So we would think that God would be saying, go away, those of you that are all sinners, those of you that are sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, go away. But that's not the response of God. God says, come to me if you are a sinner. Come to me if you are unrighteous. Yes, forsake your ways. Repent, turn back to God. Come and listen and hear. But notice God's heart is for you to come to him so that you can experience his mercy and his compassion. And I think that so often, day by day, we don't wake up in the morning and hear that as the invitation of God. We hear it sort of like this idea, well, you know, go and, and take a shower and clean yourself up right and put on your most presentable clothes and get your spiritual act together and have your quiet time, and then maybe God will let you into his presence. And I hope by the end of today's message, you realize that is not the heart of God, and that's not the invitation of God. There's an ancient invitation of God to sinners, and it's an invitation into a divine, ongoing, intimate fellowship and relationship. Isaiah called it a covenant. Jesus, by the way, portrays this to the apostle John in this way. He says, it's like I'm standing at the door of your life and I am knocking on that door. And if you'll open the door, I will come into your life and I will sit down with you and have dinner with you and you with me. That's how close he wants to have a relationship with us. The invitation of God to the world that is broken and sinful and hurting and weak is to come to him. Now, that's the invitation. Now, there is a qualification. Who gets to come? You know, when you get an invitation to a wedding, to uh, a, a party of some kind, you look at it, who, who's invited? That's the question, right? Who's on the invitation? Whose name is on the invitation? You might call that a qualification. Well, who's invited? The 
temptation that we have is to assume that the people that are invited are the religious, the churchgoers, the people who have their act together, the people who haven't messed up lately, the people who sinned, but maybe it was a long time ago. I sinned once upon a time. It's been so long, I don't even remember what it was I did. It was so minor, right? No. The invitation, Jesus says, is come to me, all who are weary. The New American Standard puts it weary. The ESV puts it labor. Those who are overwhelmed with the work of life, you are heavily burdened or heavily laden, right? Come to me, those of you that are overwhelmed with life and are exhausted. That's the invitation that Jesus offers. Now, maybe that's not any of you. But see, here's the invitation Jesus has. It's for everyone who's tired. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm starting off 2022 tired. Can I just be honest? The last three years of ministry have been the hardest of 30 years. And I'm tired, folks. I'm tired. Maybe you're tired too. And the invitation of Jesus is to the tired. Over and over again, there's this invitation from God for us to stop trying to make the world work our way or stop trying to fix it or stop trying to change a person. The Bible puts it this way, be still. Stop striving is the way one translation puts that. Be still, stop striving, and know that I am God, not you. It's not your job to fix the broken world. You can't do it. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, God says. Not you. You're not the solution of the world. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, there's a national college football championship being played uh, tomorrow, right? I, th I think uh, it's Georgia, Alabama is playing. The, it's the SEC going to play the college football championship. But I read this interview with this 20-year-old quarterback for Georgia. And Georgia hasn't won the college football championship in over 40 years, Right? So there's a lot of UGA fans that are like really, really, really putting a lot of pressure on this team to win this national football championship. A few years back, they were literally up at the halftime by more than 13 points, and they got beat in overtime. Halterman remembers this, right? Tua Tagliova, I can't remember how he says his last name, threw like this amazing pass in Alabama, beat Georgia. So they're interviewing this 20-year-old kid. He said something really profound. They said, are you feeling this pressure? 40 years, all of this. He said, you know what? It's not up to me to be the Savior. Isn't that interesting? He says, it's not up to me to save the Georgia football program and to save everybody's hopes and dreams. I thought, man, that kid's really got some God-given wisdom and maturity, right? 20-year-old kid has figured out something that I struggle with as a 52-year-old man. Guess what? None of you, I have some good news for you, none of you are the Savior of the world. It's not up to you to fix the broken. It's not up to you to bring in and implement God's kingdom. God says to you, come to me, those of you that are tired, and stop striving. Stop striving to fix everything. Know that I am God. In fact, Isaiah puts it this way. He says, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. The God of the Bible is different from all the gods of the world. The gods of the world are going to say, do this, work hard, achieve this, be religious, follow these rules, be ethical, do all of these things, and then God will do things for you. But the God of the Bible says, come to me when you've decided to stop trying to fix everything yourself. 
Isn't that different? When you're tired, when you're overwhelmed, and in fact, that, that's the qualification to be heavily laden. The Bible says this, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. God wants you to come to him with your troubles, your burdens, and not just sit there and tell him what he ought to be doing and how he ought to be helping you do your thing. He wants you to come to him and lay those burdens at his feet. Let him take those burdens on himself. Who's qualified to this invitation? Who gets to come to the party that Jesus has set up? Well, you have to be a sinner, folks. In fact, I don't know if you know this, and this may not seem like very good news to you if you're a recovering Pharisee like myself, but if you aren't a sinner, Jesus has virtually nothing to say to you. Did you know that? He didn't come for you. He says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He said, I didn't, I didn't come for the people who think they've got their acts together and who are spiritually well. I'm, I'm the doctor who came for the spiritually sick. Isn't that good news for you and for me? See, the invitation is to people who are spiritually poor. The people who don't have a right to show up at a party, who don't have anything to bring. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are you, when you get your spiritual riches up really high. That's Buddhism. Jesus says, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't buy it. You have no qualification. And I'm going to give you my kingdom. Do you hear the invitation of Jesus? Folks, we need to, in 2022, commit to stop trusting in ourselves. We need to recognize we are tired and overwhelmed, and it's okay. Stop thinking that we've got our answers. The Bible's told us this for so long. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop leaning on your own understanding. He will make straight your paths if we acknowledge Him. Brothers and sisters, do you hear the invitation that comes to you and to me if we are tired and weary and done with trying to fix everything ourselves. You say, what kind of God would do that, right? <laughs> the, the orientation of God matters. What is the heart and outlook of God? The truth is, many of us don't hear the true nature of this. We hear everything that I've said up to this point. We say, yes, yes, yes. But our perspective on God is wrong. We misunderstand His heart orientation towards us. And because of that, we don't actually believe functionally what I just said to you. We affirm it with our minds, but our hearts and our lives don't reflect that. And to combat that, Jesus tells us something about his heart. He says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, because, why? I am gentle, he says, and lowly in heart. He tells us two critical things about his own heart. He doesn't come to us with harshness. And condemnation. He doesn't come to us with pride and with arrogance, but with humility. The whole reality of Jesus is that the Son of God left all of glory in order to empty himself, to take on the form of a servant, to become a humble man, to live a life of virtually no recognition for 30 years, and to flash across the screen of human history. Loving, touching, forgiving, reaching out to the least of these. 
and then dying for you and for me. So here's some good news for you. In 2022, I want you to believe this. God doesn't need you. Recently, some people have been talking to me about this idea, and I, I, it took me a while. I was back and forth in some different communications, and they were talking about the fact that they, they kept using the word need, and I, finally it stuck out to me that the word need seems so important, that this person needed to be needed. Folks, God does not need you or me. And that's good news because He's not going to use you. Now let me be very careful here. That does not mean we cannot be useful servants and stewards of the kingdom of God. But God will never manipulate you. He will never use you to achieve an end that he can achieve on his own. He's not going to objectify you. He doesn't need you. Scripture affirms this in so many places. A sermon we find in the book of Acts, chapter 17, written to a society full of people who were brilliant and wealthy and powerful and who were functionally, constantly using one another. America in the 21st century, very much like Athens of the 1st century. This is the sermon the Apostle Paul preached. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. This week I was on uh, the Nextdoor app, which is a wonderful app to help you communicate in your neighborhood, and there was a beautiful photograph. I didn't get permission to share it yet. Uh, maybe I'll share it in a future message series uh, from the, a, a gentleman who lives here in Paso Robles, and he, he lives out on the, here on the east side, and he, he took 72 photographs of the Orion Nebula and then used a computer to stack them and compress them and created this amazing image. I wish I could show it to you. But I, was just, I just stared at this picture of the Orion Nebula, these giant clouds of, of gas that are so vast that they dwarf our own galaxy. And I realized I was looking at 1,500 years ago because that's how long it took the light from the Orion Nebula and the Running Man Nebula to reach us. And I thought to myself, God was doing whatever he's doing with the Running Man Nebula and the Orion Nebula in all of their vastness 1,500 years ago. Chris, he doesn't need you to show up. He doesn't. He doesn't need you. He's given to you life and breath and everything. And brothers and sisters, if we will embrace that, that is good news. It stops us from thinking that we are functionally so much the central, of the central reality of the universe. There's a God who's made life and breath and everything, and He doesn't need you, but He wants you. That means you and I can enter into a different kind of relationship with God. A God who loves us, who delights in us, who wants us, who treasures us. Isn't it so much better to be loved and treasured rather than to be used and consumed? It's a nice thing to be needed. It is so much better to be delighted in. And that's the God of the Bible, right? That's the message that we find in John 3, 16. For God so needed you that he sent his son. No. For God so loved you that he sent his son, his only begotten son. Right? So that, so that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. Brothers and sisters, do you believe that God is happy in the business of saving you? 
that he rejoices in it. That in fact, he's not irritated when you come to him and say, God, I did it again. I need you to rescue me from my sin. He's not sitting there going with his impatience and tiredness and frustration and indignation. He's not sitting there going, I can't believe you. I pulled you out of this sin five other times and here you are. No, that's me. (laughs) That's my heart towards people. He delights in saving you. He's the lifeguard who loves being in the business of saving people. Scripture shows us this in so many places, but these words from Jesus are so powerful. Jesus says, I tell you there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Do you and I believe that? That the joy of heaven is not contingent upon how well you held your act together today, but on whether or not you turned home. That's wonderful news. If you're tired of trying to hold your spiritual act together and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and fix your own spiritual life, There's a God who delights in saving you and His heart is not to condemn you. He doesn't come to you with a spirit of harshness. You know, as fathers, we are supposed to reflect the heart of God to our children. And I feel so profoundly and deeply my failure in this particular area. I am a harsh person. I can be very self-righteous and condemning. And I so rarely reflect the gentleness of the heart of God to my own children. And I fail to tell them the truth about who God is in that way. And we get the wrong idea about God when we think He's like me. Because God is not in the business of condemnation. He's not sitting around irritated at us again. He delights in pouring out His grace and mercy upon us. He understands every temptation we've been in. We we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, the Scripture says, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. What kind of throne? The throne of the people who deserve to be there? Grace is God's undeserved favor, brothers and sisters. You and I can approach the throne of grace not because we deserve to be there, but because we know we don't deserve to be there. Why can we approach it? Because we know there is a fountain of grace for you and for me. We will find grace to help in our time of need. Mercy is what we will receive. Isn't that amazing? Do you and I actually believe that God delights not just to save us, but to do good to us? That He's not bothered when we come to Him with our burdens and our struggles? He's not irritated and overwhelmed? But He delights in saying, yes, I want to help you. I want to lift that burden from you. Luke 12, 32 Again, the words of Jesus help us so much here. He says, fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. When you come to Him and say, God, my spiritual pockets are empty, my spiritual clothes are torn, and I'm the one who got myself in this condition... He says, guess what? Nothing makes me happier than giving you my kingdom. What kind of God is this? See, the God of the Bible is a God who acts to serve you. In fact, that's why Jesus came. 
He says it so clearly. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. In fact, Jesus talks about this moment that will come whenever he returns and he will dress himself to serve. In all eternity, you and I will not be out serving Jesus. He will never be outserved. And brothers and sisters, we need to grasp that God never gets tired and He never fails to understand you. So often I find that I run into relational problems because I don't understand somebody's perspective. I don't understand their heart. I don't understand their issues that are going on. Or because I'm just weak and tired and overwhelmed. But there is a God who is never too tired to help you and who never fails to understand what you actually need. Scripture puts it this way, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. You and I get tired. He never does. Our understanding is limited, but His understanding, according to Isaiah, is unsearchable. It has no limits. He's the limitless God. Um, it's, it's such a struggle for our hearts to believe the true orientation of God toward us. Um, I, to add to, to all those things, I just wanted you to, to read this amazing quote. We have it in our electronic notes if you've downloaded that in U version. I um, want you to take it home. It's too long to print on the printed ones. But, but just read these words from, from uh, Pastor Ray Ortland and see if they match the reality of what you believe is the heart of God. He says, The real Jesus attracted failures, exiles, rejects, underachievers, weaklings, compromisers, and losers, the scum of the earth. Every kind of defeated, fed-up sinner found a welcome with him. It was the above-it-all religious elite who hated his guts. But the guilty, the unwashed, he didn't merely tolerate them, he befriended them. He wasn't exhausted by him, by them. They energized him. He knew full well who they were, where they had been, what they had done, and would do again and what they would cost him. Yet he was for them with all his heart. And he is for you. And maybe you are like me and you struggle to believe that. So I'm going to give you an encouragement, a little encouragement. We have these wonderful little books. We had them last year. They're still available. There's a bunch on the table back there. If we run out, we've got more. Uh, it's written by, by Ray's son, actually, by Pastor Dane Ortland. It's a book called Gentle and Lowly. And I just would commend it to you. If you struggle to believe in a God like that, then pick up a copy of this book and read a, a chapter a week this year and find there that there you're going to be taught of the God who has a heart for you. And these are, are free. They're fully available to you. Uh, if you know a friend that's struggling to believe in this kind of God, maybe you want to pick up a copy and share that with them. All right, so we've talked about God's invitation. We've talked about the condition that we have to come in. We've talked about His orientation. There is, and I mean, we talked about his qual the qualification. There is a condition, a requirement for those who come. You go, oh, okay, so here it is, the fine print. I knew everything you were saying was too good to be true, right? So what's the, what's the condition? What's the bottom print say for those who are invited to come? Uh, Jesus says, Here's the condition. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Life has put a yoke, that's a crossbar used to hook burdens onto animals that work. So very often oxen, teams of oxen would be yoked together and they would be yoked to a plow to do hard work in the fields, right? 
So Jesus says, you're tired, you're overwhelmed, life has burdened you, cast your burden on me, I'm going to take it, come to me weary and tired. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. You go, oh, I knew this was too good to be true. But let's unpack what he means there. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, let me ask you this. Why are you tired? Why are you overwhelmed? What is it that has actually burdened you? See, Jesus isn't trying to pull a bait and switch here. He's not trying to say to you, the goal in your life is to not have any purpose, any usefulness at all. The reason you're tired and overwhelmed, brothers and sisters, is because you have taskmasters that are burdensome. Now, they may be yourself. <laughs> they may be other people's expectations. It may be anxiety or fear. It may be trauma that you've experienced since you were a child. It may be the reality of all your sins and your shame and your guilt, and it's like this heavy weight that is upon your life. You know all the things that you've done. That is a terrible plow to hook yourself to. But Jesus wants you to understand there is a yoke that doesn't, isn't the same. So why are you tired and overwhelmed? Jeremiah has some amazing words to God's people. He says, hey, God's people, this is what God has to say to you. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in the good way, the way of God, and you will find rest for your souls. What he's saying is this, listen, the reason you're tired, the reason you're overwhelmed, the reason you're burdened is you've been walking away from God and you've been rejecting his reality. He goes on to say, but you said, we will not do it. We're not going to walk in God's way. We're trying to find rest in all the wrong places. That's why our society is so committed to the idea of retirement that is nothing but an extended vacation. Can I ask you something? Have you ever met a retiree who treats their last 30 years of their life like they're actually... Have you ever met them and they, they go golfing all the time, they are in caravans, they, they go around the United States visiting all these states? Have you ever met one that's actually happy? Because I can tell you I have not. They're grumpy, cranky, narcissistic, selfish brats. They act like they're 15-year-olds. I've pastored enough of them. They're not happy. Because guess what? Vacation doesn't bring rest to your souls. Oh, don't get me wrong. We're, we need to have Sabbaths. We need to have times of delight and travel and resting. Those can all be blessings. But they are not that which will actually bring us to true rest. We've tried to find the solutions of the world to unburden ourselves from, from proactive sexuality that honors God. We, we take a vacation in pornography. To to unburden ourselves from the working days, we, we fill our nights with entertainment and amusement and our weekends with activity. And it's not making us happy and restful. It's wearing us out. To unburden our souls, we gossip about people rather than confessing our own sins. We're tired and overwhelmed because we've said to God, the way that you have said rest comes, I'm rejecting that. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, listen, let me be that person that directs your life and makes you fruitful. Die to yourself and follow me. Now that is the consistent invitation of Jesus. Mark chapter 8 verse 34. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This week uh, they commemorated the anniversary of the death of Father Maximilian Kolbe, in uh, a, a Polish priest during 1941. Um, he was in Auschwitz. 
and uh, a prisoner escaped. And the penalty was that 10 other people in Kolba's cell block would be starved to death as penalty for the one person escaping. And while they were picking out the people, who's going to die? A father begged for his life and said, I have a wife, I have children. Someday this war is going to be over. What will happen to them? Kolba stepped forward and told the SS officer, I will take his place. Would you volunteer to be starved to death? They put him in the cell block and they starved him. Two weeks later, the command came to empty the cell block. Of course, most of the people were dead. No water, no food for two weeks, they're dead. Kolba was still alive. They injected him with barbolic acid to finish him off. Do you know what the janitors reported? That for two weeks, they never walked by the cell without Father Kolba standing amongst those dying people, ministering to them or being on his knees praying. Who was at rest? Was it the SS officers who were so angry they wanted to starve 10 people to death? Could it be that the little priest in that cell had more rest than all those around them? Brothers and sisters, there's a kind of rest that invites us to lean in and lean on our good shepherd. When Jesus says, it's my yoke, he's inviting us to be connected to him. And let him carry the burden. Let him be our pair. He'll carry the weight. It's like on Sunday mornings, you know, I love Jonah's spirit. When we do takedown, he always wants to help. Right? Have you guys seen this? Hang out this morning. You'll see it. It's great. He loves to help. But he likes to go for the big things. Right? And so there's trunks that weigh three times his weight. And he wants to like lift them. And so, you know, you'll see Jason or Theo or Ken or me, and we'll be like carrying the trunk and he'll be like, you know, he's helping us, right? <laughs> Folks, that's like us connected to God. <laughs> he's carrying the weight. <laughs> yeah, we got our hand there, but he's carrying the weight. Lean in and learn from our shepherd. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Look, look at it this way. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Isn't that amazing? Right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He brings us to places of rest. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Our sin, our following our own will, our pursuit of getting our way leads us to nothing but exhaustion. Us trying to handle everything ourselves leads us to burden. Oh, but when we hook our lives to Jesus and let Him lead, we find a path of rest. Which brings us to the benefaction. The benefaction, a, a place of blessing. A benefaction is something you can't earn. It's a gift. You can't buy it. It's not an inheritance that you can manipulate a judge into giving you. It's just something you didn't ever deserve. It's a blessing. 
And Jesus promises that over and over again in this passage. If you will come to him weary and heavy laden, you will get physical, emotional, and psychological rest. We are not created as disintegrated individuals where what happens in our souls and our spiritual lives doesn't affect our bodies, right? Psychologists understand the impact that anxiety and fear have upon sleep, right? There's a God who wants to give you physical rest, The Bible talks about people who trust in God being able to sleep at night. The Bible talks about God wanting to bring peace and wholeness to our emotions and our mental order being ordered by this God. So this invitation in Matthew 11, 28 is, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus says, And I will give you rest. Come to me with all that is wearing you out. And I will give you rest. You say, okay, but who are you to give me rest? He answered that. He answered that. The Son of the Man is the the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Who has authority over the Sabbath? And what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is the day of rest, right? So who has authority over rest? God gifts rest because he has authority authority over it. When Satan lies to you and says, listen, you could find rest in this or that sin or this or that entertainment or this or that distraction or this or that manipulation or this or that control. Listen, you say, you are not Lord of the Sabbath. I've met the Lord of the Sabbath and he is not you. Jesus is Lord of the rest. Oh, brothers and sisters, you can come to him and find not just physical, emotional, and psychological rest. You can find spiritual rest, spiritual rest, true spiritual rest, right? That's Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you believe that? I love the old hymn that begins with the line, O soul, are you weary and troubled? Is that you? Well, good news. Your soul can experience satisfaction and renewal. That's what Jeremiah promised. He says, through, uh, for God, he says, I, God says, I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. Are you tired out spiritually? Good news. There's a God who will satisfy you and renew you. You need strength for this coming year, for all that you're facing in your life. Heartache, brokenness, disease, weakness. You need strength for the mission that God has given you. Well, that's there too, right? Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31, familiar words. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths faint and are, and shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint." Brothers and sisters, there's this amazing promise of God that the strength of God is awaiting the people who will come to the Him. And with that yoke and with that learning come a clear direction and a shared burden in life-giving relationship. My yoke is easy, Jesus said. My burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Don't let Satan lie to you and tell you the opposite. Don't let your flesh deceive you and say, laying on the couch is easy. It's not, it's a waste. It's a waste of your life. The easy way is actually the way of the cross. To follow Jesus into the places that He's leading us, to serve Him 
for his joy, with his strength, in such a way that people look at you and say, you did this, and you go, no, I didn't. That was all Jesus. Man-made religion, brothers and sisters, will always burden you. It will always burden you. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 23 when he uses similar language here. And he says in Matthew 23, verses 2 and 4, he says, The scribes and the Pharisees tie up heavy burdens. They're hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders. These are the religious leaders of his day. They try to make things harder on you and higher and higher hoops for you to jump through. But they themselves are not willing to move them with finger. But God-given relationship always brings us to freedom. That's why John can write these words. This is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. They're just the way of rest. They're the place where true rest actually exists. So let's go together. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Do you need strength for this year? Let's come together to Jesus right now and ask him for that. Father, we are tired. Some of us are tired to the point of just despair. We've had loss and grief and heartache. We've tried to fix everything ourselves. We've found our efforts empty our religion futile and heavy, our ability to change ourselves falling short. So we come. We come to a throne of grace, a place we don't deserve to be. As Pastor Alistair Begg says, the reason that we get to come is because the man on the middle cross told us to. And here we lay before you today our burdens, our fears, our anxieties, our half baked, weak efforts our pursuit of rest in so many other things. Ways we've taken truths and patterns of living and distorted them into adulation of self. Ways we've forgotten that we're supposed to partake of regular rhythms of physical rest because we were too busy trying to solve everything ourselves. I pray that all of us would hear this invitation this morning, Lord. We would come and lay these things before you right now and there find grace and forgiveness and mercy and freedom and rest as you have promised. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.